Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I'll go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as JeppaDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. Big week of footy. Now, upcoming this week, there might be a little bit of weather coming in. So once we get into the winter months uh, in AFL, uh, some of the scores will change. But, yeah, just keep an eye on the weather forecast this week. Yeah, we always know that from previous years, don't we? We start um, a running game and it always slows down. Alrighty, so injuries once again impact fantasy. This time there will be significant change in the ruck ownership. Obviously, Brady Grundy out uh, for probably around about 12 weeks, so um, pretty highly owned in fantasy. So oh, you got to expect that that ownership's going to be distributed, but it's pretty much could go just to two players. Your thoughts there? Yeah, there's a few options, um, especially with Cherry potentially at an R2 and trading in someone else. Uh, those that have Proust at R3 are probably laughing. Um, yeah, but I, it, I like it because it, it gives us this diversity. Um, it might might pan out that we all have Gorn and Proust, R1, R2, but, um, yeah, at least there's um, a kink in the armour and um, we can make our decisions and, and live by them for the rest of the season. When we get a heads up that there are concerns for players with games upcoming, that's a great opportunity to bench players and use the loop if required. A poor score provides leverage against ownership. So the one there last week was obviously Zach Butters, highly owned by a lot of the top-ranked coaches. Now, the news came out there Friday that he was struggling early in the week with uh, illness. So he then plays, puts up a low score, but if you go back, so, you know, the information hits on Friday that he was sick during the week. So, therefore, you know, putting him on the bench and if you've got the opportunity with a couple of non-playing players, you know, to potentially put on Grant and, you know, if you had a run with a Nick Martin on the Monday to put him on Grant instead of taking but a score, you know, potentially you can pick up an extra 50, 60, 70 points. So, especially with a player with really high ownership, it's big leverage against the field, Jep. So, your thoughts there? It's so important. Um, it, it, we've got to pay attention and we've got to note these things, um, stay on top of the fixture and where we can loop if we can. It's not always going to pan out. Mm. Um, and it's a team-by-team basis. Every team is different, especially with their bench players. So, look, my team depth is pretty poor personally, so I, I don't necessarily have that luxury, but I wish I did. Yeah, the other one there that I've noticed there, Jep, as well, is that some of the teams are putting just their health and safety protocols just straight up into a team announcement. So on Thursday night, um, Melbourne hit, or Friday night, whatever, uh, when they released their teams, is that, you know, they've got health, health and safety protocols. You know, there's no news throughout the week, so just keep an eye on that. It's not even news anymore, not even newsworthy for, for many teams. It's just put it straight in, they're out for the week. So, yeah, just keep an eye on that that as well already on to the next one so we are closing in on the buy period so uh give me three key areas to pay close attention to uh are coming a few weeks away from the buyers Chip. so yeah number one is um not losing sight of team depth i think this is the time like you mentioned these laid outs i feel like we've been blessed so far this season with early news but if it happens during the rolling lockout, a lot of us are going to get stung. And maybe a few, well, there were a few that got stung with the Rosas news from Gold Coast last week. So don't lose sight of your team depth. I think that's a very important point. Um, keep trading in your primos. Uh, that's the other thing. We, we've got to keep upgrading, downgrading, upgrading now. Um, a lot of our rooks have fattened up and, and topped out. And, and we've got to keep bringing in the primos. 
The last one here is um, just keep it simple. Left field picks for me, in my opinion, are after the buy. You don't need to go too crazy at the moment. It's just keep it simple, play play the, a straight bat with the players and primos you're bringing in, and then post-buy you can get a bit creative. Yeah, for me, likely availability of players under 300k around that buy period. So some of those players wouldn't have made their debut or going to play at this stage. We won't know that. So that'll be upcoming in the next few weeks. So obviously maintaining a, a closed eye on their ability to hold their position in a team is really crucial. So scoring output is, yeah, that's great, but ability to stay in the team. Because the last thing you want is, you know, be, be hoping for, you know, a couple of players under 300k to play. Um, when you're trying to get to, you know, potentially even 18 players throughout any one of the bye weeks. And, you know, if their position is not secure in that team, that's pretty much an iffy pick that you're going to hold throughout that bye period, which which will be critical and it it will hurt rank. Um, Good balance uh, on a week-to-week basis. Obviously, you want to hit uh, where you want to come out of the byes uh, with a pretty strong team and how you want to trade throughout the bye period is, is critical. So setting up your balance ahead of that. It's not something you can do in the week leading up to the buy period. It's something that really needs close attention to right now. And the other thing is, is to plan to hit the final two weeks with sharp upgrades. So this is, you know, you just mentioned there a little bit there as well, is that to start to hit the unique options post buy period. So that potentially comes at the end of the buy weeks, you know, when you're trying to hit on a low-owned player that provides some sort of difference in, in scores compared to those you are competing in rank with. Okay, Jeb, we are talking AFL Fantasy Season Long Classic Mode. This discussion is pre-round 7. This podcast is being recorded on Tuesday night, April 26. And, of course, the news is being crushed out for you on the AFL Ratings Network. The content is free. Likes and retweets are always appreciated. Again, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. So let's get into the ownership there. So round six ownership. So this is where the Grundy um, situation really needs to pay attention where that's going to go. I think it's pretty much going to go to two players. So let's just talk through that. Yep. So Max Gorn's at 76%. Braden Puss, 76%. So this is the top 25. This is on a field. So as you can imagine, you know, the, the most, most of those top-ranked coaches did hold Pruce. Uh, through his week off so therefore uh, you're going to be fighting that so it's either you jump onto that now or you're going to be fighting that as well and then you know his break even is really low so what you're going to find is that you know he's going to be up there and sell you quite quickly but you know eventually when he does increase in salary who are you going to go to so that's a really big you know question for like four or five six weeks time is that we're going to go to off proofs you know he potentially could be a hold for quite a long period of time Okay, and therefore, so he was at 76%, and Brody Grundy obviously is the trade-out this week, out for, you know, around about 12 weeks, we presume, at this stage, uh, at 44%. So thoughts there on those three, Jeff? Yeah, I, I think the main course coming forward is Gorn and Bruce. Um, like I said earlier, those that trade-out Grundy can get creative. Who knows who how many had Bruce at, um, at R3 within that 76% too, so... Look, I think the rucks are pretty streamlined. I, we, we try not to take any risks with the ruck line because if we keep trading and mucking around, it's, um, it just wastes times and wastes trades, doesn't it? Yeah, so just uh, just back onto the Brody Grundy situation. So in the top 25, uh, so I split it out into who owns... Uh, what's the second ruck there? So it's Gorn and Grundy at 20%. So don't forget the total ownership uh-huh. there was 40%. So 20%, yep. and it was pretty much split. Yeah, so it was 24% Grundy improved. So you pretty much split there what, what people had. 
So you've got to imagine that um, that situation there is that you know what one group is going to make one move and one group is going to make the other move. So thoughts there, Jeff? Yeah, look, it, Cherry comes as a big trump card. Some of us have Dixon still from from West Coast. Uh, anyone with those ruck status, uh, dual position players that can be flipped around, that's pretty handy. Um, and yeah, it, it, you know, a lot. Some of those that twenty percent of coaches will uh, will trade Grundy potentially to a primo mid. Who knows? Depends where their needs are. So just on the replacement for Grundy there, uh, it's it's likely it's going to be Darcy Cameron, but the only thing there, Jeff, is forward only. So, you know, I, I would expect, and he can score. So, you know, potentially if you can move someone in, this is where the English one really hurts because if you had English yeah. in your team, you could have moved him to the ruck and you could have brought Darcy Cameron in there as well. So that, that's where that English one actually double hurts here. So it's really interesting. But you've got to imagine there around about that next upgrade to DBP is that Cameron's going to get ruck. Um, so there might be one there to target, but you obviously got to have a pretty solid R2 there on ground as well. Alrighty, so let's get into the defenders there. So James Sisley, 100%. Are still going strong. George Hewitt, 100%, still going strong. Now, Lockie Whitfield, 100%. Now, uh, he struggled and he got there late, right? So, But the issue is with Whitfield, because he's highly owned in the top-ranked coaches, his score actually really doesn't matter that much because, you know, if he pumps out at 60, most of us have got it. There's not too many people that don't have it. And as you can see, the top 25, it's 100%. So uh, that's really... Um, you know, you're not really concerned about what he scores, but his role on Friday night was quite interesting. So he did spend a lot of time on the outside, which is fine. That's usually his role. But early in the game was really interesting. He was ahead of the ball. He wasn't behind the ball, uh, sweeping up on the wing and just moving forward. I seen him in in the forward 50, and the ball was coming to him. Now, it's a complete reversal of what he's been behind the ball moving forward and, okay, be part of the uh, ball movement going forward. He was ahead of the ball with the ball coming at him, and that's not something that I've seen there too often this year. But when the game was sort of up the, up for grabs and needed to be won by the Giants, he was behind the ball, and he was behind the ball inside D50, and that's where he started to really sort of improve his scoring. So it's really interesting that, that what... Uh, Leon Cameron did with his role on the weekend. But again, his scores actually don't really matter because most of us have got Whitfield anyway. But it's really interesting that he was ahead of the ball with the ball coming at him early in that game. So, you know, Leon Cameron's going to flick those uh, rolls up. And, you know, obviously the, the Giants have started really poorly. So just something to keep an eye on with Whitfield. Already Nick Dacos, 100%. So obviously some a lot of midfield and uh, defender ownership there as well. Nathan O'Driscoll, quite high here. So he might be one to get off. Yeah, he's 90%. So he might be one to move on really early here because he's really... Really highly on there. Jaden Short, 96%. Obviously smashed out at the start of the season for him. Uh, Jay, Jack Crisp there at 76%. And Jordan Dawson there. A bit of leverage off pretty much the... I would, I would say it's the Jack Crisp position. So he's at 40%. So it's either, you know, the five are locked in. A lot of people have got Jack Crisp. And the five locked in. A lot of people have got um, Jordan Dawson. So thoughts on any one of those. And if you want to hit back on the Whitfield situation, let me know. Yeah. Look, the Whitfield thing, we, I noticed in the last quarter he was on the wing. Um, and he absolutely brained it. So it it was good to watch uh, uh, on a Friday night when when, you, when we needed it. But look, I think the defenders Doherty has to start coming into play soon, and he's one causing me a bit of sleepless nights not having. And um, yeah, and and I agree with what you said about O'Driscoll. If we can move him on early, um, that that plays a big part, especially if he's on your starting twenty-two. 
All right, into the midfielders, Lockie near 96%, Jason Horn, Francis still highly owned there, 80%, Andrew Brayshaw, 80%, Jack McRae, 76%, Callum Mills, 52%, smashed out a massive score there on the weekend, Jack still 44%, Matt Crouch, 32%, Clayton Oliver, 32%, and Josh Ward still on field at 20%. Thoughts there, Jeb? Yeah, Mills wasn't it a beauty to watch um, from as a fantasy fan and an owner. It's, uh, it was great. A lot of those other mid-premiers there, I think they've set the tone for this early part of the season. There shouldn't be any surprises. Uh, and now, yeah, we, we get into quite an interesting period pre-buys um, from now to the buy rounds, which way each coach goes. Yeah, back onto the Horn Francis, so he's 80% owned. Mm. So if we go back into, you know, early in, late in the pre-season, I should say, and early in, in the start of the, the year, uh, the home and away season, is that David Noble said that, you know, the potential for rest here and there. So uh, I, I would presume it's going to come at some stage. Now, uh, the, he's still got a pretty decent role there at North Melbourne, but Taron Thomas comes back into that um, position. And Tom Powell's out of this team as well, and obviously Will Phillips is there. Thereabouts is coming back from Glen fever there as well. So you've got to expect some sort of rotation. I've got no idea when that's going to be, but I would presume there'd be some rest at some stage. But 80% owned says to me, you know, if you look at O'Driscoll, is at 90% and Horn Francis is at 80%, it's one of those two. Now you've just got to be thinking um, which one of those is, is going to provide you a lot of leverage off uh, the rest of the high-ranked teams for which one it goes first. So thoughts on any one of those two, Jack? Yeah, we've said it a million times about getting rooks off your field as soon as you can. Um, Horn Francis, I don't like the matchup against, even if he does play midfield, against the bigger bodies of Carlton in, in the midfield. He can Horn Francis can hold his own, definitely, but he's going to be physically outmatched, you know, quite simply at those CDAs and, and around the stoppage. So not expecting big scores, but who knows, he could... Um, show us his talents and, and, and really come on. Um, but, yeah, it's all about getting the rooks off field when you don't have carnage. And obviously the Grundy for most of us is, is carnage. But after that, yeah, it's, it's aiming to take a rook off field, even the bigger rooks like the Horn Francis. Um, I think Dacos is the exception to the rule, the way he's playing and his defender status. Yeah, so the issue I mentioned earlier in the podcast with regards to weather incoming in. Now, some of the forecasts this week aren't great yet. So... Uh, Fremantle play down in Geelong and that weather down in Geelong and the weather on Saturday in Melbourne has actually looked quite poor, like really a lot of rain. So therefore a Driscoll score might be actually quite low. Now if you think about mm. if you think about it with regards to Juan Francis, yeah the matchup's not great, but he's playing under the roof. The game is in Melbourne as well, but he's playing under the roof. So, you know, there might be 30, 40 30 to 40 points difference between, you know, trading out a Driscoll, which, which I would sort of almost half recommend if it's going to be pouring rain down at Geelong. And, and that's a really narrow ground for him anyway. So he might struggle to score anyway. So he's not going to be on the wing out there free space. It's a really narrow ground. You know, if he doesn't win a lot of the ball... Um, it could be a score, uh, struggle score this week. But, you know, Horn Francis, difficult matchup, okay, but under the roof. So he still might be able to collect a few plus sixes. So final thoughts there on the weather and which one you would uh, potentially trade out, Jeff? Yeah, I think what, what we mentioned earlier about looping our bench players, O'Driscoll's one that is likely to be looped. So yeah. just keep an eye on that. Um, if, you can have, if you want to keep him and gain, still gain the cash. You can put him on your bench for the emergency and see how he goes and then 
easy backups after that. Yeah, it's a good point because they play on, I believe it's the second or third game for the round, so um, you're going to know really early in the round where, where he is at and what he has scored. Already onto the forward line, so Josh Dunkley 100%, Nick Martin 100%, which is really interesting. He's still, he's quality at the moment with regards to the scores he's putting up. Will Brody, he's actually been fantastic for Fremantle, being the extractor type sort of centre bounce clearance type player for Fremantle, so he's at 100%. Stephen Keneally, a little bit of issues here with regards to his role, and you know, obviously that's a lot of roles there at, at GWS really got to maintain a close eye on. So he's at 96%, so he's quite high. Uh, Zach Butters, so he was, again, he was ill throughout the week and, you know, struggled to score there and he spent a lot of his time forward and, you know, I'm not too sure he actually even should have played there last week against West Coast, uh, but he got it there, but it was a low score, so he's at 92%. Uh, Tristan Cherry there as well, so the, the, the issue with Cherry is that, you know, Goldstein started the second half in the ruck as the number one ruck, so the other issue there as well, to make it another one for Cherry, is that Callum Coleman-Jones was actually... Uh, putting up some really good performances in the VFL. So, you know, at some stage, I think Noble's going to make a move it again with regard to that ruck structure, whatever. I think Cherry's actually still going okay. So I'm not too sure he's the one to, to be out of the team, but it might actually even be Goldstein for, for all I know. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's Goldstein. If, if he's going to make a move as someone going out, I don't think the three rucks works in that team and they really struggled against Hawthorne in round one with, uh, with that remember so I'm not too sure Noble's going to go there again so yeah it's really close in eye oh, you've got to keep a close eye on that situation there at 92% you know if there's any movement there on Cherry's role you really got to keep an up to date on news there um, yeah it's, that could provide a bit of leverage if even if you wanted to move off Cherry so thoughts there uh, on that and I'll just give you the last one so he was at 92% and Isaac Henney there at 36% did spend a lot of time forward against Hawthorne on on Monday Jeff thoughts yeah so Cherry I think might get one more go at it he might gain some confidence against De Conning. it might be one of those looking at the opposition no pit net who would have roughed him up let's give him one more crack Maybe that's me hoping for it because I'm quite reliant on him playing one or two more. Um, but, yeah, it, look, these curveballs, there's been a lot of trade scenarios tweeted me, tweeted to me in the last couple of days, and I keep saying to guys, just wait till the teams come out on Thursday because we just don't know what's going to happen. So the thing for me, watching North Melbourne, obviously I watch every game, is that Goldstein forward just, just doesn't work. Like, it just does not work. So he's... I noticed in the Sydney game too, mate, that um, they when they had the chance to win it, they moved him into the centre bounces. Mm. Yeah. So I've, I've got grave concerns over Cherry's job security, for sure. Yeah, look, I don't know who it is. and what It could be Goldstein out of the team because he just wants to look at the future and see what it is. And, and don't forget North Melbourne in that and that sort of rebuild mode. And, you know, we've seen Sam Mitchell come in and, yeah, and says we're going to try things. Craig McRae for Collingwood are going to come in and try things. And he's trying everything, actually, at the moment. Um, and, you know, David Noble's really in that sort of t- same zone with regards to trying things. So that it's, you know, really a situation really got to keep a close eye on. Uh, but for me, Goldstein forward just absolutely does not work. Um, so, you know, w- what's the future and where's he going to go? It might be Noble still at number one and, you know, bring Callum Coleman Jones in there, which means Goldstein's out. So, but again, I'll reiterate, is that Goldstein forward just does not work. But, you know, Noble actually just might hold his spot here and just go, right, well, that's that's what it is for the time being. So let's see how that plays out. But ones they keep a close eye at, especially with Cherry Busy's highly owned. So, yeah, really keep a close eye on that news. All right, Jeff, so who are your three 
top targets for round seven, assuming you don't own any? So number one, Clayton Oliver. Really liked his game against Richmond. Wasn't a, mm. a beautiful display from an inside mid. Um, he he's my number one target. I, I think there's big things to come from him. Uh, took Miller number two. Found the tackle numbers back again and um, plays a pretty soft Collingwood this week who won't tag and um, should give him a free reign. And three, Bailey Smith against Essendon. Um, Essendon struggled on their defensive part of their game. And um, unless, uh, yeah, again, they can't see Essendon putting someone on Bailey Smith to run beside him for the whole match. So it should be quite a big uh, big score from him. And all three um, players that I've mentioned, the, the Melbourne run and the Gold Coast and the Bulldogs run in the short term is really quite good. So they're the three players. All right, so one by one, I want you to mention back to me your players. are going to put holes in all of these. All right, so your first one was? Clayton Oliver? Maybe not so much Oliver. He actually is pretty good. So maybe the second two. But I think Oliver's actually pretty good. Um, yeah, look, Petrarca's scores have been up and down, so not many holes on this one. Your second one was... Da- uh, who was your second Chuck one? Chuck Miller. Chuck Miller. So I spoke to you pre-podcast with regards to uh, Gold Coast's low position, and they're playing front-half football, so that means you know there's not much movement in the midfield. And if they're winning inside 50s, and they actually were quite competitive inside 50s with, against Brisbane, the scores they blow out because Gold Coast couldn't uh, control the centre bounces. So if they're getting torched on centre bounces, that means not getting the ball in the midfield. Uh, at, at clearances, uh, straight into inside 50 in Brisbane score. And the other thing is, if the ball, they're playing front half footy, there's not much ball movement, plus uh, chipping the ball around, plus sixes everywhere. So I've really got grave concerns. And Gold Coast are a really low disposal team this year. So there's a big change from where they were last year. This is actually a pretty monster change. So I've actually got grave concerns. Yes, Took Miller's dropped a lot of cash, but it doesn't mean to say that he's going to make that cash back or average back again about 120 because I think that is gone. I don't. Even, I, I would sort of readjust to what Miller could average at about 105 to 110. Now, based on where... People seen his score last year. I would think he's going to um, be a big target because they think you know we're going to hit that 120. I'm not too sure that that's there this year. So just keep that parked out to the side. So the other one was it Bailey Smith? Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So spoke to you pre-pod about this one as well. Is it you know last week he was averaging about 95 percent. Game time percentage, which is ridiculous for a midfielder. Generally, most midfielders average around about 80 to 85%, and that's just good enough, and they'll get their numbers. They'll get their rotations. But Bailey Smith has been spending a staggering amount of time on ground. Now, if anyone can do it, he can. But it gets to the situation where if they're going to overplay him, you know, Bevo could break him playing him too much on ground, which, you know, again, if any player could do it, it's him, because he's elite fitness. So... I'd imagine if that does come down to 85%, his score is going to come down there as well. So that's the one thing I'd be concerned about with with regards to Bailey Smith. And the other thing is you mentioned there previously is that um, Collingwood don't tag. So I would actually put a bit of a hole in that as well. Is at half time there on Monday? Is that Darcy Parrish was on 80 points or, or thereabouts at half time? Now in the third quarter. Um, Pat Lipinski actually went to Darcy Parish and they pretty much shut him down. He only scored, I think it was about 30 points for the rest of the game. So if Collingwood do target, and they have done this year, so um, absolutely they could take this week. If Lipinski goes to Miller 
and they just go, right, we're just not going to let Miller beat us this week. It's going to be up to Real and Anderson, and Anderson actually doing quite well this year with regards to his fantasy scores, but I think there's a fair chance that actually uh, Collingwood could actually send some attention to Toot Miller this week because they've shown it before, and they showed it at half-time on Monday against Darcy Parrish because he was just nuts in the first half. So we know Miller can sort of do that sort of scenario with regards to uh, having impact around the ball. Obviously, yes, he's getting a lot of give and goes and a lot of people were uh, considering that, you know, he's not doing too much damage, but he was just getting the ball at at, at, uh, centre-bounce clearance. He was just, he was out of control. It was just numbers everywhere. But... Um, yeah, uh, Lipinski to him in the third quarter and pretty much shut him down. So your thoughts on any one of those thoughts? Yeah, look, I, I, I'm pretty much better go back to the drawing board after that. We'll see. I, I can bring in, I think, any anyone I want in terms of a premium meet, assuming there's no more carnage. Yeah, my three targets there are Connor Rosie. So, uh, yeah, Butters went out and he was ill out of those centre bounces. He was ill last week as well. But if we go back to what... Rosie did uh, the week before, and it was against Carlton. It was almost a come to Jesus moment for Ken Hinckley because you know he, st- he was at 04 and they're staring, staring down at 05. And they were 50 points down at half time. So, you know what Hinckley did? Um, Connor Rosie straight in the middle of the ground, and they actually nearly came back and won that game against Carlton. So, again, last week, Rosie into the middle of the ground and center bounces, and he was out of control again with regards to disposals everywhere. So, he his break-even is really low, so I think that's an opportunity to, um, you know, sp- spend wisely, I-, I should say, this week. So that's definitely one on my radar this week, um, if you want to spend a little bit uh, wisely or sharp there. The other one there is Sam Walt. So obviously a lot of people kept Patrick Cripps, but if you want a bit of leverage off Cripps, I'd probably pretty much head in the, into the zone of Sam Walsh. And we, we, you know you know what we've talked about with regards to Carlton's numbers through the midfield this year. I'd expect that they're going to be actually quite good for the remainder of the year. And the other one there, a little bit, is Tom Mitchell. Obviously, his centre bounces have been impacted and his uh, midfield usage has been impacted. And this is the way uh, Sam Mitchell wants to operate as Hawthorne coach. So his, his thought process here for the midfielders he wants them to spend less time in the midfield but he wants them to have high impact when they actually go in there so i think that might be a little bit of balance rather than just you know um cruising through a game and knowing you're going to get your opportunities through the midfield is that when they're going in there they're going in at a at, at a pretty good level of you know energy into that midfield to try and impact there but again the hawks were actually smashing that second half or last three quarters against sydney so uh, it's a volatile situation, and Sam Mitchell is going to pretty much try anything as new head coach of Hawthorne there. So, but Tom Mitchell, a little bit of a, a close watch, but you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm out for the moment. But it's it's definitely one of intrigue there for me. So here's one of my targets there as well. Alrighty, so let's get on to the notable low break even. So I'm just going to run through a bunch of players here, Jeff, and just comment on any one of those. So Sam Hayes still there, minus 15. So he's going to be that number one ruck for Port Adelaide for quite a long period of time. Malcolm Roses, uh, out with a calf injury last week. Listening to Stuart Jew in his post-game press conference, it, it would uh, I would take out of that that he's actually close for this week. So I think it's okay that he could come back into your team. But again, soft tissue injury, that's no good. Uh, but, yeah, something to consider if you do want to target Roses there. Um, so Hugh Dixon there as well. I, I presume he's coming in either this week or next. So he wasn't a significant injury there. Braden Pruce. So most people who don't have Pruce would probably target Pruce coming up this week. And he's going to make a stack of cash uh, for the remainder of the year as long as he's in that team at uh, GWS. Ollie Dempsey. So he was actually all right for Geelong. 
and in his debut. So, but he plays like a key forward type role. So pretty much a high half forward type, tall, you know, forward. So his score is going to be volatile, and that was a pretty much a soft matchup against North Melbourne. So take that into consideration there. Connor Rosie just mentioned in him there with regards to his midfield usage. I think that's actually going to hold for a period of time because again, you know, Port Adelaide are going to chase the season down. And, you know, if, if they chase the season down pretty well, if they chase the last two games down pretty well, from Ken Hinckley's point of view, with Rosie in the middle, I think he's, I think he could hold that position in the middle for for Rosie. So again, I think it's actually pretty much a, a wise. Spent here with Rosie. Uh, Paul Curtis, a small forward role, so those scores can be volatile for North Melbourne. But he was actually, he did impact in that game. So, but again, small forward right role, those scores are going to be volatile. But he was actually quite good on debut. And Ben Hobbs, so in the midfield, we did see Zach Merritt and Jack Stringer come back into that team. And that sort of impacted Hobbs a little bit. Uh, he was scoring actually quite okay, but he fell away quite late. So quite interesting to see where he sits in that team for Essendon. So he's got to break even to 15 there. So th- thoughts on any one of those, Chip? I think Hayes is obviously the must-have, those that don't have him still, especially with Grundy out. You've just got to keep generating cash, don't you? Um, then after that, it's, it's a bit of a stalemate, isn't it? Uh, we were probably hoping Hobbs would come good, and yeah, he scored 40 in the first half, and then... Six in the second half, which is pretty frustrating for owners. Um, potentially also new fresh meat coming in for Rooks. Uh, keep an eye out for Ned Long from Hawthorne, Greg Clark from West Coast. There's one more that escapes me. Uh, apologies. But, yeah, those two especially. Greg Clark, mature body, loves to lay a tackle. Very Plays actually very similar to Elliot Yo. So, um Keep an eye out for him. I think uh, as the season progresses, he's a he's a good bet. Um, he might be in and out of the team early, but long term, he, he'll be thereabouts. Yeah, so uh, Yo goes out with concussion protocol, so you just got to wonder how long Clark is in that team. Uh, so, and, and Simpson has actually come out and said quite often that he wants to bring back the synergy to the team. So he wants the guys in there playing. So you got to you got to just take that into consideration, you know, job security, especially just, because, we, because we need those through the buy period there. But I think yeah. he's, actually, he's not a bad pick. Though. I, I just chime in with that. So let's let's get a weak look at Greg Clark. It's not going to burn us from a cash point of view. Let's see where they he fits in the team and the second week when Elliot Yo can come back, mm-hmm. because Adam uh, Simo Adam Simpson, sorry, has always been a next in guy. So he's got his set twenty two. And the next guy up when when required. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure if Greg Clark's in the best 22 when the Eagles midfield is fully fit. Yeah, and Simpson, especially the last couple of weeks, is talking about getting that synergy back within that team. Mm, so, you know, exactly. that, that says to me that there's going to be a stack of experience in there and they're just going to get their fitness back and they're just going to get their synergy back. So that is just full-on experience back in the team. And I think some of the younger type, you know, players that we're looking at from a fantasy perspective might be on the out. So just keep that into perspective when you're making a decision, especially this week, because most people would potentially go there, Jeff, I would imagine. Alrighty, so let's get on to notable players potentially dropping in salary on the radar to target soon with a break-even of 130+. So just going to run through a few here. Tim Taranto, 151 uh, break-even. So Petrarca, 149. Brace, Andrew Brayshaw, 135. Ben Keyes there, 134. Ollie Wines, 133. Dane Zorko, 133. And Tuke Miller, uh, 131. Thoughts on any one of those? Oh, look, they're all great players and great fa- um, fantasy players and good targets to, to note. So 
anticipate when they're going to bottom out and, and, and then pick them up from there. Yeah, Zorko is the one on the radar I'd pretty much avoid for quite a significant period of time because that, uh, one one thing is the minutes just haven't been there for the for most of the year to start with. Uh, and, yeah, there could be a role change. And with uh, Kitty Coleman coming, coming into that mm. team, you know, that pushes Zorko out of that halfback role potentially. So, uh, yeah, just keep an eye on his role. And, and, and you know, um, Chris Fagan has said, you know, when it was on the radar last week that Coleman was to come back into that team, is that, you know, the, back onto Zorko, he said, well, Zorko can play anywhere. He can play midfield. He can play forward. So if it's not really setting it hard back, just collecting disposals, you know, that could be a volatile score ahead. So just keep an eye out and be a little bit worried with regards to Zorko because his price is going to drop a little bit uh, over the next few weeks. And, and many people would try and go there potentially if they think that, you know, he's going to put some scores up there. But just keep an eye out that. And obviously a severely interrupted uh, injury pre-season for Zorko there as well. Um, okay, notable strong scoring output with a 115 plus average last three rounds. So I'm just going to roll off a few players here, Jim. So Max Gorn, 130. Callum Mills, 125. Obviously the high score there on the weekend. Um, Josh Dunkley, 124. Bailey Smith there, 123. Uh, Jack Steele there at 117. Ben Keyes there at 117. And Andrew Brayshaw, 116. Thoughts on any one of those, Jim? Oh, look, again, they're all midfielders, aren't they? So they're all doing their job except uh, Gorn, uh, obviously, R1 for most teams. So, again, none of those picks scare me off. I think um, you're doing yourself a service by picking up one of the players you just mentioned. Okay, on to a few key players for the listeners. Thank you for sending those in. Always appreciate it. It's time to play lock on this lock. We're going to do a 37-pack to finish off the podcast. So we'll stop on a couple, but most of them will be just a lock on this lock. So, Connor Rosie, I like. Yeah, I like it too, and unfortunately the Grundy injury has changed things for me with Rosé. Okay, Callum Mills, uh, absolutely I like. Yeah, love. Uh, Patrick Cripps, uh, fantastic form, you know, no injury really, no issues really coming off that hamstring issue, so I really like this one. He's just a massive man mountain, isn't he? Um, And when he's in full steam, he's pretty hard to stop, so yeah, love him. It's amazing where he was 12 months ago with regards to injury impact and this year. It's like just a brand new player. He's just absolutely on fire. Alrighty, so Kitty Coleman, I actually liked the pick. Um, you know, and once he said it was in that team and, and Fagan reassured in his post-game presser that, you know, he's in our best 22. It's pretty much what he said. He's in our best 22. So I think from a job security point of view, he's pretty good. Um, I think scoring can actually be okay there as well. So I actually like the pick here. Yeah, I like it too. I like it a lot. Uh, Alex Willardin. Now, the issue with the West Coast, right, over the early parts of the season have struggled. Obviously, that's quite noticeable for every, everyone. Now, I spoke about last year on the podcast with regards to North Melbourne conceding a stack of inside 50s, and that played in the hands of Zebel and Hall. You remember how many inside 50s they had to defend? So that means that the ball's coming in there. They've got to keep the ball out, and, and Aaron Hall just went nuts. So this year, it's actually West Coast that are in that same situation. I think West Coast will improve as the season goes on, but at the moment, they're still conceding a stack of inside 50s. Once that midfield gets under control and they can actually defend the ball through the middle of the ground rather than just accepting all these inside 50s, you know, the, the, the inside 50 differential is going to flatten out a little bit from West Coast's point of view, which actually might bring a little bit of volatility into Witherden. But at the moment, if it's going to continue like this, I think Witherden's in a good spot. But he does turn the ball over a stack, but only because, you know, the, the teams are pressing up against West Coast and they know they're going to get a kick out of someone. And sometimes it's just Witherden and it's just a straight turnover. 
But again, if they're spent, if they're considering all these inside fifties, I like the pick. So for me, I'm actually going to say I lie. But yeah, just a lot of things to take into consideration right here, Jim. Yeah, I dislike. I've, I think my, from a fantasy point of view, he's very volatile. So like you said, when if West Coast get their game up and going, he he can score pretty poorly. So just be wary of that. The one thing I do like about him that I will say is that he's got the round 13 buy, which is rare in, in our de- keeper defenders. So um, that's about it. He, he's averaging 100, and look, I, I might be proven wrong, but, um, yeah, it's still a dislike for me. Uh, Jake Lord, I actually like the pick, but, you know, obviously we've noted over the last uh, 12 months or so that Sydney have changed their game style, so therefore there's not this hanging around the halfback line and Jake Lord getting all these plus sixes. Uh, quite quite easily. So, but for me, I still like the pick. But you know, most most coaches at this stage are pretty much locked into defence and not going to change for quite a few weeks. Uh, but if you want to get off that uh, that D six win an upgrade, you know, Lloyd is an option. So actually, I, I like the pick here for me. It's a dislike for me, mate. No, Anderson. So if you want to look for really different, um, look, Gold Coast are averaging really low disposals. So from that point of view, I don't really like too many Gold Coast players there as well. But the one that's actually doing okay, you know, um, if Miller gets tagged, you know, Rao's playing a different inside, you know, blocking out the other midfielders off the ball as well. The one that the one, one player that's going in there and getting the ball is actually Noah Anderson. So um, it's a bit of a unique. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually probably going to sit on the fence of saying I like this pick. I dislike for now, but he's a perfect example of a player to take a punt on post buys. So he he's proved to us he's got the 120 plus game in him, yeah. and, and I'm trying to keep it simple. And the recommendations of the listeners would be keep it simple till post buys, but then after after the buys, Anderson's um, open slatter, and he'd be a great pick. All right, these next two players are going to group together. It's Cam Guthrie and Mitch Duncan. So for those listeners who tune in uh, weekly, they would have known that I did mention a few weeks ago that uh, Chris Scott has come out and said he's pretty much going to manage players throughout the, uh, this season. So that's going to put, you know, Dangerfield was out last week. Obviously, he had a bit of a couple of corgis there in the same spot there. But Salwood's been managed and other players got managed. So, you know, these two players here are straight in the zone as well as Cam Guthrie. Maybe not so much Guthrie. So I'm going to say dislike there. And I'm, I'm completely out on Geelong players unless they're um unless it was cooper stevens maybe even ollie dempsey there as well but mitch duncan there as well he's had an interrupted preseason if there's one player that can be managed at any given week it could be duncan there as well so for me both players i'm out uh and that's for you know that they could be managed any given week and geelong have been clear cut and open saying that they're going to do it and they have been doing it so for both players dislike for me massive dislike for me as well mate so Matt Rial, so again, uh, he actually started well on the weekend, uh, started to find a little bit of the ball, but anyways, he hits that 80-point range, and that's pretty much, you know, going to have to upgrade to him at some stage. So, you know, if you can, as soon as you can find the opportunity to get him out, I would certainly upgrade him. So uh, I'm going to sit on the side of the fence of saying dislike here, Jeff. Yeah, agree. Dislike from me as well, mate. Taron Thomas. So he obviously had a lot of internal bruising, missed a few weeks. So he's come back into the team. Now the interesting part there late in that game is that he spent a little bit of time at halfback, and I mentioned that a few weeks ago. That uh, that's one position that I would love to see him in as halfback role. But win his own again, and I'll mention it again, these these teams are going to miss finals. They're going to try a lot of things. So, you know, Thomas could be forward one week, half forward one week, and, and he's played that throughout pre-season. And he can play that, you know, sitting in that forward 50 and do not much scoring from our perspective here as well. 
but he can be through the midfield and he can score. Uh, but other mids to come back in, I'll mention Phillips and Paolo as well, and what, what's Horn Francis going to do through the middle of the ground. But if he sits at the halfback, and don't forget Aaron Hall's out with a hamstring injury, but I expect him to come back in at any time soon. But yeah, from you know potentially volatile, but halfback actually looks okay, but I'm not too sure that's a permanent spot for him there. So for me, dislike on Taron Thomas. And again, I'll mention Miller Bergman and uh, Josh Goder there at some stage throughout the year. I would expect that they'll be coming into that team. So just keep a close eye out there. Thoughts on any one of those, Jeff? Yeah, Miller Bergen was the other rook I was trying to think of that could come in this week. So, um, yeah, Taryn Thomas, uh, I'm watching him closely. So still a hard break even, 111. Um, had a pretty good preseason, and we, we had high hopes for him for the year. So he could be a bargain pick, only 577 grand right now, mate. And, um, look, it, maybe not next week, maybe the week after it could be. So let's just all keep a close eye on him because he could be – a bargain pick that interests me more than a Rosie. Yeah, so the the one thing listeners should be doing this week is just check out his role, yeah, because late in that game he spent a lot of time across halfback. Now, I don't think he would be locked into the halfback role for the remainder of the year, but if there's any opportunity that he could be junking it up, and don't forget Kangaroo is still in the zone of, of conceding a stack of inside 50s, and if they're going to concede a stack of inside 50s, you know, it might give... Uh, uh, David Noble, a bit of an idea that, you know, Taron Thomas coming off the half-back line actually looks pretty good. And if that's the case, you know, he's actually scoring, could accelerate really quickly. So, yeah, the price tag's re- actually quite good. But, yeah, just keep an eye. You know, he could spend time forward. So, for me, it's just, you know, his role. It's not really locked in at the moment. He can play pretty much anywhere. So, uh, so I'll still sit on the side of um, dislike. Yeah. Alrighty, so, on to Tom Mitchell. I'm going to say a little bit of a like here. I did put him in my top three players. So, I'm going to like, but, yeah... Um, obviously not major minutes what he spent in the time in the midfield previously what we've been used to of Chip yeah and no, I dislike for me he's not the top eight uh, midfielder that we've known for him from the past unfortunately thanks to uh, new strategies from Sam Mitchell so big dislike Dion Prestia uh, too injury prone dislike for me yeah dislike as well Jay Gresham still getting it done but you know is it, we're going to see a decline at any stage so I've been proven wrong here but I'm still going to say dislike here Yes, it's a dislike as well, but, oh, mate, I I had him last year and he kind of scarred me for life only because he, he wouldn't tackle. And then against GWS, what does he have? Nine tackles or something mm. like that. So um, there's a few coaches that started with him the year and I applaud them. Really, really good pick. He's probably Gresham, Sicily and, and Hewitt are the three mid-prices that have really done great. So we can't really knock it. Can yeah, we? Okay. But I, I just, maybe, yeah, it's just bias from myself that it's a dislike. So, Brett Ratton comes out last week and he says if Zach Jones uh, wasn't in health and safety protocols, he would have played. So, that's going to interrupt the uh, centre bounce and midfield rotations for St Kilda. So, that's really something you need to keep a close eye on with regards to aggression. Now, throughout pre-season and early in the year, even after the home and away season got underway, is it Ratton has come out and said in his press conference, is that Gresham is a, a forward mid. So he's going to split his time 50-50. So it's, it's, this is not a full-time role for the remainder of the year. So I'll just really give a word of warning there as well. But at this stage, yeah, exactly right. You can't knock him. He's been fantastic. But yeah, um, uh, Zach Jones has to come back into that team and I presume he's coming back in this week. So that's going to interrupt the centre bounce and midfield rot- rotations for St Kilda. So final thoughts on that one, Jeff? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, probably comes in at the expense of Winhager, unfortunately for their those owners. Um, but yeah, you wouldn't be trading in aggression now. I, I feel like there are B 
better premiums to target earlier. That cash generation that Gresham has got with these scores is it's past us. Tristan Cherry, uh, uh, his price tag at the start of the year was fantastic. So we were able to work out, you know, right at the end of preseason, just before round one, is you know that he he had the gig there, and he's been fantastic early. I still like the pick, and if it, you know, it could be Goldstein out of the team. If it's Goldstein out of the team, you know. If that's the first move that's made, I've got to imagine that Cherry's number one for the remainder of the year. So that would be really, really exciting if the first move out of that team was made, it was Goldstein, because that sort of re- almost reconfirms that, you know, Cherry's number one is going to stay there for most of the year. So keep an eye out for what move is made there first. Uh, but for me, I actually still like the picture. Yeah, I like to. And, and look, selfishly, I just want one more week out of Cherry. <laughs> Please, David Noble, if you're listening, one more week, mate. Yeah, good luck for all those cherry owners. So I think, you know, let's just wait and see how it plays out. Anyway, uh, on to Luke Parker. So, you know, he put up, put up another pretty decent score on the weekend. Again, it was actually a really good matchup against Hawthorne. Hawthorne are conceding a stack of numbers to midfielders, opposition midfielders. So the, the, the matchup was really good and he did cash in. Now, previous to, the, to that, his last start of the season has actually been... His centre bounce rotation has actually been around about 50%, and actually, actually no good. So he's got his forward status, but you know, John Longmire's in this situation is developing this midfield, and he keeps speaking about it in his press conference that he's developing the next generation of midfield. So therefore, when the opportunity comes, Parker's not going to be in that middle of the ground. If he's going to spend time forward, he's going to be in that situation where his score is going to be volatile. So I said last week I dislike, and for those reasons again, I'm going to say dislike. I understand the scores put up there, and and Hall, Sydney had to chase that game down. So Parker was in there, which is actually a really good sign that you know when they had to go, that he was in there quite a big, uh, big uh, time, and he did have impact there as well. So he did put up the score, so that's a good sign. But you know throughout the remainder of the season, if you want to go with him through the remainder of the season, you just got to expect some sort sort of forward usage, which would come with volatile scoring. So for me, I'm going to still sit on the side of the fence of saying dislike. Thoughts there, Jeff? No, I, I really like him. I, I I know he's he's only thirty, and you know I remember Bucks won a Brownlow at thirty, so he's not past it quite yet. As as I you know some suggestions have been made. So he was one of the highest CBAs against Hawthorne, like you said, and um, he's pretty much bottomed out, if not this week. So mm. keep an eye on him. I'm still yeah, I still think he's a top eight forward, top six. Forward, maybe pushing it, but top eight, top ten forward for sure. Yep. Um, and, and a lot of value in his price. So, um, no, I, I'm very much alike. Fair enough. Okay, on to Jack Bowie. So, uh, Jack Lever goes out of that team last week, and that game script for Melbourne last week was actually pretty good. So, um, I, I didn't mind the role for Bowie last week, but, you know, Salem's a few weeks away uh, to, to come back into that team as well. So long-term, I don't like it for Bowie, but some of these matchups for Bowie in the short-term are actually pretty good. But, yeah, as soon as you can upgrade out of him, but, yeah, as a target, I wouldn't go there just at this stage because, um, uh, for me, it's just, you know, volatile scoring. If he's going to be playing that defender lockdown role, that could be, you know, pretty nasty score there, Jeff. So for me, I still dislike yeah, it's a big obvious dislike, um, and, and owners need to look to trade him out this week or next. So the next one is just pretty much Taylor Walker. You know, he started the season last year. He was on fire early, if you remember. Now, he started the season this year since he's come back from suspension. It's the same thing. His points per minute are actually outstanding. And 
he's impacting the scoreboard as well, which is great, but he's not always going to have that in his favour. So for me, if you if you were ever, ever going to go there, it would have to have been on his first game back. So I would imagine that at some stage, at, you know, high-impact season and his forward role as well, you know, and his body and his age and the way he plays the game as well, it's going to hurt him um, with regards to, you know, a decline in scoring output. So... For me, it's something, you know, We I wish he was like 24 years of age, but he's not. He's actually quite old, so I'm old from a football perspective. Um, so for me, it's the, definitely a dislike, but yeah, I wish we could have had this one a few years ago because he potentially got a got an early sugar hit in the start of the season off Walker uh, if he was a low price, but yeah, dislike for me. Yeah, straight dislike for me too, buddy. Okay, Peter Laddam. So Hickey will be on the radar to return at some stage. So uh, and Laddam's actually started really slowly on the weekend there as well. So, uh, but he finished strong. It was a pretty soft matchup there as well. But for me, uh, if you know if Laddam's going to be out of that team, he might hold his spot as number one. But we just don't know that at this stage. So for me, I uh, just hold off on that trade. So dislike for me. Uh, dislike for me as well. I um two soft matchups for Laddams against West Coast and then Max Bailey from Hawthorne although Bailey's a pretty good tap ruckman um, Laddams had his way with him physically so expecting harder matchups and yeah the hickey factor later it's a straight dislike uh, Nick Lawson, uh dislike for me scores have been there recently but dislike yeah he's um, he's one of those ones that he, he can get the ton out of him one week and then and this is speaking for previous years he can score a 60. Now, have those times changed? I don't I don't know. This one's hard. This one's really hard because this is a pick that could really steer you in a good direction and, and, and make you get a jump in overall rank. But um, for now, I'm going to say dislike. Uh, for me, Clayton Oliver's next one up, so like for me. Yeah, love him. So Will Brody. So we both lie, but the question is, is it how quickly do you move him out? So uh, his, his role is fantastic, but... You know, five so about five or six weeks away or whatever he's coming back into that team. Um, but uh, his role is actually really good, but his um, handball to kick ratio, because of his extraction type role, will be handball happy. So to get it, get the ball out of there, and this is where Brayshaw has actually come into a fantastic position with regards to Brody, because Brody's just getting out, just feeding him. It's just been fantastic. But from Brody's point of view, a question we're just going to ask here is that when do you go? I would expect sometime soon, uh, because with regards to his time on ground percentage, if that's going to remain, you know, not that high, you've got to imagine that some score is going to be quite low there at this stage. And don't forget the weather this week as well. So, you know, again, one of those opportunities to put Brody in because he's highly owned, stick him on the bench, put the emergency on him. You know, if his score comes out and scores a 40, you might be able to get some leverage off the field. Uh, but the question, again, Jep, uh, when do we move him on? I don't think it's at this stage, but, yeah, just keep it on the radar. So, for me, I still like. Yeah, I, I still like him too. I think after Geelong this week, he's got North Melbourne, Gold Coast, Collingwood, um, which is pretty good. I think round 14 is when I look to trade Brody personally um, at that bye week. Uh, but, yeah, a lot can happen in between now and then, can't it? Yep. Try Newcomb. I think, I think the situation was to go on Newcomb early. Uh, before round one, because it, don't forget it was Caldwell, Caldwell, Rail, and Newcomb. For me, it was the, those three of them, and I went Rail, but Newcomb was one that was, I was really keen on, but just the, the scoring was an issue. But the scores seemed to be okay at this stage, but you know, for me, you have to go round one, not now. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's dislike for me. Josh Gibkes. So most of his scores have been pretty low, but he found a bit of ball uh, against Melbourne on Sunday night. Uh, for me, uh, yeah, there's a little bit of cash here to be made, potentially, but, you know, you're going to get some low scores there. So for me, I'm going to say, from that point of view, I dislike. 
Yeah, dislike. The, all the defenders from Richmond had a bit of a field day, except Rioli. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you, you can't do it when he scores 30s uh, two weeks ago, whatever it was. Uh, Greg Clark, I do lie, but, yeah, just keep an eye on his position as a team as a warning. Yeah, I just want to make that very clear um, to, to the listeners that, um, yeah, let's just see what he does for a week. It's not going to hurt us from a cash point of view. And, um, and then following team announcements for round eight... Let's see where that lies before trading him in. I think if you bring him in a bit, jump the gun early, and he's in and out of the team early, and then we're, we approach the buy rounds, it's going to really sting you. Justin McInerney. I actually liked the pick, but, you know, for me, uh, it was pretty much uh, when he came back from injury, it was to target him once he started scoring okay. For me, I'm going to say a little bit is light, but I still I don't mind. Uh, dislike for me, mate. He's not a top six, top eight. Uh, sorry, he's not a top six defender or top eight defender even. So why would you bother? Josh Kelly. Uh, I don't mind the picks. I'm going to say like here. Yeah, I like it too. I think he's he's starting to turn the corner ever so slowly, and I think he's going to come good. Ollie Wines, there's no ownership there, Jep, and he does have a high ceiling. And we know one player that's going to be in those centre bounces and straight in that midfield is Ollie Wines. So no ownership. If you want a little bit of unique here, uh, that you can hit up Ollie Wines. So big like here for me. Yeah, big like for me too. The one thing that the roadblock for me personally with my team is is the round 12 buy. So just keep an eye on that. Uh, Tuke Miller. So as I've said previously, Gold Coast low-scoring team. Uh, if he's going to get targeted, uh, that's an issue there as well. You know, if you know, especially like this week, if you know Craig McRae says, "Well, I'm shutting out Tuke Miller and I'm going to make everyone else beat me," you know, that potentially no no really good issues there for no really good position there for Miller with regards to his ceiling. But he is dropping in price. So once he hits, you know, he's going to, potentially going to hit low 800. So therefore, um, there's a lot of people are going to go there. But for me, I'm actually going to say dislike here. Um, I did have him ranked number one for the midfielders preseason, but um, just big change because Gold Coast have really changed up their game plan, Chip. Yeah, I still love him, mate. I, I think he still gets the done number one midfielder in that team and still needs to go through him to to uh, to function. So yeah, still like. Tim Kelly, it's getting down that price, but obviously issues throughout the start of the season with regards to fitness and that. So, I don't know, Jeb, it's just longevity here. I, I just haven't really seen much of it from Kelly uh, recently, but um, he can score. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just Again, I'm just going to have to say, Western Australian players I met for this year, obviously, obvious, obvious reasons there as well. Um, but yeah, he's been through protocol, so on at the other side of it. So you think if you know if you're going to target anyone, he would be the one. But yeah, just too many issues with regards to um, Western Australian players there. So out for me, dislike. Uh, dislike for me, just for the pure fact that and I sound like a broken record sometimes when I say he could be on one week and then the next week he's off. Um, he's a bit of a target for his tag too. Andrew Gaff, definitely dislike for me. I'm not picking a player coming straight off an injury. Yeah, dislike as well. Uh, Tom Stewart, so flat average defenders. So um, Geelong, a uh, bit of a game plan for change for Geelong this year. So not really chipping the ball around about half back line there for Stewart. So your score still will actually be okay. So it's a, you know if you want to upgrade your D6 to Stewart, I'd, I'm pretty okay with that. So I'm actually get, from that point of view, I'm going to say like. Uh, yeah, it's still a like. He um, he'll be thereabouts. It's just when you jump, and I don't think you're going to lose too much by not having him early. Uh, Jack Higgins, so a big dislike here, uh, plays more forward role. Obviously, he has been scoring well, been hitting the scoreboard there as well. But, 
you know, that's only going to raise some opposition attention there as well. So I would imagine teams are going to crack down on him really quickly because he's getting out the back and he's hitting that scoreboard quite frequently. And I think teams will be on that very quickly and just start to shut that down. It's almost a bit of a loophole within the game plan is that Higgins, you know, not not cheats out the back, but you know what I mean? As soon as St. Kilda get the ball, he's just sprinting forward and and not many teams have uh, have got onto that really quickly. So I think teams, opposition teams are going to shut that down, which should actually small forward roll that brings into volatile scoring. So dislike for me, thoughts, Chip? Yeah, agree with everything, mate. Dislike. Sam Walsh, so if you want a bit of leverage off Cribs, Sam Walsh is the one. I really like this pick. Yeah, I do too. Um, and if we think Cribs is going to be the one number one tag at, at Carlton, um, then it's, it's a big, big tick, isn't it? Yep, Jordan Degoe, so uh, Craig McRae locks him in that midfield and uh, he does have a ceiling. But again, let me just reiterate, the Collingwood have changed their game plan from under Nathan Buckley. They're not that ball chipping and holding on to that ball, so they've changed their game plan. So I think the high ceiling games might be there every once in a while, but it's not going to be you know 120 every week because they're chipping the ball around and collecting those plus sixes quite easily. So... Uh, I don't mind it. I'm actually going to say like here, but you know we might be looking just at 100, 105, maybe 110 max average. Jet. Yeah, I like the pick too. I think he's going to be thereabouts for the top six forwards and um, yeah. 749 grand. I mean, what else do you want? Yeah, I don't mind it. Okay, on to Adam Chera, second last one as we go on. So. Um, for me, not the high scores that I really wanted to see. So, you know, Cripps is the man there as well. Walsh is winning, winning plenty of ball there as well. Uh, Hewitt's in there winning plenty of ball as well. And, you know, somebody's going to miss out every now and again. That might be Chera. So for me, from that point of view, I dislike. Yeah, dislike as well. Last one, Jeff. Okay, Stephen Cornelio. So that role has fluctuated from where Leon Cameron said it was going to be for this year. We needed to get him in the midfield, and that sort of changed the last few weeks. So... Uh, volatile role, uh, who knows where that's going to land. And the Giants, you know, if they keep losing, who knows gonna, what's going to happen with regards to some of those roles in that team. So from that point of view, you know, he's highly owned there as well, Jet. So I've got to imagine, you know, some people might make the move off him, but he can score. We know he's got a monster ceiling. So the other thing that really sort of gets in my mind, if the Giants have to turn their season around and sort of push towards finals, which is a long way back from where they are, but if they are, you've got to imagine Cornelio is a big part of that. So from that point of view, I do like it, but you know, based on where Leon Cameron's putting his roles um, out, of his mid, out of the centre bounces and that, that's a bit of an issue there with regards to what he can score per week. So thoughts there, Jeff. So I'm going to say, oh, it's almost getting towards a dislike here, Jeff. Yeah, it's a dislike. If he's not going to be in the CBAs, well, it's a dislike because that's what we rely on from him for his scores. Um, it, again, I, I don't think I can jump off anytime soon, though. So there are other issues at play, and I feel like the upgrades, getting the rooks off the field is more important. You can sort of deal with a score. I think Canelo, even if he's playing the half-forward role, he's still good for an 80 to 90 most weeks. He can mm. pretty much put 50 bucks on it every every week. So... Um, yeah, let's get the rooks off the field and deal with that later. Okay, final thoughts ahead of round seven, Jeff. Yeah, look, uh, try to keep your trades in hand because the laid outs, I just, yeah, we've got a short week, thankfully, Friday to Sunday in terms of games and, and distribution of games this round. So keep a trade in hand uh, if you can for the Sunday just in case and, um, yeah, good luck. 
Yeah, for me, specific for this week as well, obviously, if there's weather coming in this week, you know, for that O'Driscoll, I would be putting him on the bench with an emergency and trying to loop his score in if he gets there. Um, a lot of people won't be in a position to be able to do that. So, therefore, you know, potentially you're going to pick up some rank. You know, if he, he throws in a 40 or 50 or whatever and your alternative um, throws in an 80 or 90, you can pick up 40 to 50 points there but pretty easily. So, uh, it might not even be O'Driscoll. You might be able to find another one there as well. So, another one here, a play sort of Jeff Butters again because he's wholly owned. Imagine putting him on the forward bench with an emergency on him. So if he scores all right, okay, he can go on for an emergency there as well. But you obviously got to have the non-players coming in uh, and to figure that out for, with regards to bringing him on later in the round. But, yeah, just really work on that loophole this week with regards to, you know, um, providing some sort of leverage against the field. So, yeah, the weather, really target that and that Geelong game. Um, Brayshaw's in that zone there as well. Brody's in that zone there as well. That'd be I'll be looking to do something there with regards to loopholes and you know putting those pl- type of players on the bench to see what they score and see if I want to loop them in. So that's something that I'm definitely targeting this week. So th- final thoughts on that, Jeff? Yeah, look, it, 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 having that loophole is a big advantage, and you've just got to play at it. Look at the fixture, like we said before, um, and don't be shy to. Um, to take on that advice because it, it, there's good reason that a school specifically could score poorly this week. Alrighty. Okay, that's it for this week. Good luck, everyone, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks, Chip. Thanks, guys.